you know, as we're worshiping, and just was reminded that <clears throat> the Lord spoke to Millie and I many, many years ago, even before we moved to Denver. With, He said, this is what I want your job description to be, is create a place for my presence. That's it. Create a place for my presence. Didn't give me a vision for a big church or a big, huge ministry. I want more of his presence. I don't know about you. And that's what I want to talk about today and forever, but especially today. See, he's building his house, and this is what I've been talking about for months. He's, he's building his house. It's not my house. It's not what I think it should be. He's building his house the way he wants it to be built. And he wants us to abide in this place that he is building, to abide in that place of his presence with joy. And that's what I want to talk about today, abiding in his presence with joy. All through the scriptures, talks about presence and joy. In his presence is joy forevermore. Psalm 1611 says, You make known to me the path of life. Abundance of joys are in your presence. Eternal pleasures at your right hand. I think it's interesting. Where is Yeshua? At the right hand of the Father. Yeshua is the right hand at the right hand of the Father. And that's where the place of pleasure is. That's where the place of his joy is. You see, we've been talking about revival, revolution, and God wants both to take place in us. Revival is when his divine life, the very life, the very presence of the Lord, flushes out all the worldly toxins. I don't know about you, but I feel like I've been in a place of cleansing over the last year. And it, that's a good thing. God wants us to be in these seasons of cleansings to get rid of the toxins of the world. They creep in. They just kind of creep in. Attitudes, mindsets, stinking thinking. All of this stuff comes in and God says, I want to get rid of because I want to pour more of my presence, more of my joy in you, in the person of Yeshua, so that we can be a light to this city, to this nation, and to the nations. See, if he wants to fill us up, we need to get rid of our stinking thinking. We need to get rid of those things that limit God's potential in us. God's will is his potential in you. That's what God's will is. He wants us to walk in the fullness of of that. He wants us to walk in the destiny that he's called us to be. And whatever limits that, God says, get rid of that. That's not for me. Fears. Hypocrisy. God is ridding us of these sins such as lust, pornography, slander. Prayerlessness is a sin, I really believe. Because you say you want more of God, but you don't want to spend that time in his presence waiting on him. And prayer is not just bringing your petitions to him. That's part of it. But it's also being in his presence, listening to what he says. Listening to his heart. Many, many years ago, the Lord called me to pray for missionaries within our, our church that we are part of. Pray for the ministries. 
So we began to pray, pray, pray for the ministry. And pretty soon God says, I want you to go. You become an answer to your own prayers and many times. So prayerlessness is, is actually, it's sin, I think. You see, when the toxins are gone, he replaces it with his heavenly nutrients, which is his presence. I read a quote by J.I. Packer. He says, revival is the visitation of God. That's what we've been talking about. Which brings to life, which brings to life and the believers who have been sleeping and restores a deep sense of God's nearness and holiness. You see, when, when revival comes, it's like the presence of the Lord is there. Oh, wow, i got to get rid of this stuff because I want more of that. I want to walk in the fear, in the fear of the Lord. And then he says, thence springs a vivid sense of sin and a profound exercise of heart in repentance, praise, and love with an evangelistic outflow. You see, when we're in that place of his presence and we're getting rid of all those toxins and he's filling us with his presence, more of, more of him, I want to take it out. I want to bring it more out there in the city. I don't know about you, but I do. Whatever we happen to be doing. Psalm 80. Turn to Psalm 80. Verse 18. Let your hand be upon the man of your right hand. Talking about Yeshua. But where's Yeshua? He's living inside of us. The son of man you made strong for yourself. Then we will not turn away from you. Revive us and we will call on your name. Amen. What revival restores is a value for the manifest presence of God. And that's what we want. You see, this is the first thing I want to talk about is what is that manifest presence of God? Emmanuel, God with us. Is there a theology in the scriptures that talks about the presence of the Lord? I want to talk about the theology behind it so that we can experience it. I want you to think, well, that's kind of a weird thing, this presence of the Lord. What is that all about? Well, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's look at what Shaul says. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 14, he says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership is there between righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship does light have with darkness? What harmony does Messiah have with Belial, or the devil, or the wicked one? Or what part does a believer have in common with unbelievers? What agreement does God's temple, I'm going to bring it home here. What agreement does God's temple have with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Just as God says, I will dwell in them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says Adonai. Touch no unclean thing. Then I will take you in. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says Adonai Tzevaot. You see... God says, well, Paul, Paul is, is, is he's reflecting on the words of God in the Torah and the Tanakh. 
Paul is referring to these proclamations and commands in the Torah about what God desires, his presence more than anything else. He was quoting from Exodus chapter 29, verse 45. So I will dwell among B'nai Yisrael and be their God. How much more present than you can be than dwelling among you? And God says, I will dwell among my sons. I will dwell among my people and be their God. Leviticus chapter 26, verse 11. I will set my tabernacle among you, and my soul will not abhor you. Do you know what the word abhor means? To hate. And God says, I won't hate you. You see, a lot of us have this theology that God is angry with me. He doesn't like me. He tolerates me because he has to. But that is so far from the truth. He loves us. He sets his tabernacle among you in my soul. He says, I will not abhor you. I will walk among you and will be your God and you will be my people. The people of Israel in the wilderness, they had a tabernacle in the middle of their presence. And they saw by day, they saw the cloud and that night they saw the pillar of fire. The presence of God was there. Moses and, and Joshua and others would go to the tent of meeting. They would meet with God face to face. He would come out, his face would shine and they'd go, man, cover your face. See, the glory of God was there. The presence of God was there. But God, in this day, he has put his temple within us. We are his temple. He has put his spirit within us. We are the temple, the Ruach, the temple of the Ruach HaKodesh. How much more present can you be? How close, how much closer can he be than in us? Isaiah 52, 1 says, leave, leave, get out of there. Touch no unclean thing. Go out of her midst. Purify yourselves, you who carry the vessels of Adonai. If the Holy Spirit is living in us, the Holy Spirit is living in us. He says, come out from there. Don't be unequally yoked. That's what Paul is saying. Don't be yoked to unbelievers. Don't be yoked to the things of the world. That's all passing. Get yourself out from there. In Revelation 18, I believe it says, get out from Babylon. Get out from there. Cleanse yourself. That's what revival is all about. So to prepare this place for his presence. You see, that's what he desires. What does his manifest presence look like? What does his presence look like? Well, we have a glimpse of it. I didn't give you this scripture, guys, uh, but it's in Zephaniah 3.17. Wow. God is calling. Spam risk. Get rid of it. See, that's the stuff. See, this is exactly what I'm talking about. There's an interruption from spam. Okay? We're trying to get into the presence of the Lord and spam calls us. Hmm. We have a glimpse in, you know, we used to sing this song. He rejoices over us with singing, you know, in Zephaniah 317. It says, Adonai, your God is in your midst, it says. A mighty Savior. He will delight over you with joy. He will quiet you with his love. What? <laughs> Did I miss something? All right. Thank you, Lord, for your presence here. Let me start this over again. Zephaniah 317. I don't know. Your God is in your midst. He is here in our midst. Hallelujah. A mighty Savior. He will delight over you with joy, and he will quiet you with his love. He will dance for joy over you with singing. Has anybody ever had a vision of God dancing over you? I know some of you have. How about you dancing with him? 
See, this is, this is how God reveals his presence to us, his manifest presence. But there's something else that he does. In his presence, he wars against the spiritual enemies in our lives. Every week we say this, we proclaim this out of Psalms. and We proclaim every week, arise, O God, and let your foes be scattered. Let those who hate you flee from you. Adonai Tsevaot rises up in the midst and he goes before his people and he does war. That's his presence. Why do you think the Ark of the Covenant would go before the children of Israel before they went to war? To rout the enemies. They would flee. We read this morning in Psalm 97, a fire goes before him and burns up his adversaries. See, in his presence, he does war over us. And, you know, we don't see a lot of the warfare that God is doing over us. But I bet you all of you guys are here right now because God did something to destroy an enemy of yours. And that's why you're here today rejoicing him. Most of what he does you don't see is happening in a spirit realm, which is just as real as this chair. This spirit realm is real. And he does battle for us in the heavenlies. And he goes before us. And every once in a while, we get a glimpse of what he does in destroying those adversaries of his. What else does he do, do in, does in his presence? He touches hearts and transforms lives. How many times you've been in his presence and something happens and you're changed in that place of his presence? Hearts are touched and, and our lives are transformed. Let me just take a minute. What are some of the manifestations of his presence? Maybe some of you have had. Just real briefly, pop up. Real briefly, what are some of the presence of his, that, that you've had in your life? Where he's just, you know it was the Lord. Yeah, Joyce? Dreams? Strength and joy. Amen. You feel that. You just, that's his, amen. Linda? So his presence to you is turn left, turn right, go straight, look to your left. No, don't go there. Go here. Amen. That's awesome. That's awesome. Amen. Anybody else real quickly? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Jenny. I went up for prayer and picked these two women that were about the age of the woman I was struggling with. <laughs> I did it on purpose. And uh, one of the women, they, I told, they asked my name, I said, Virginia. She prayed, 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 and, I, and it resonated. The next woman started praying, and it was very prophetic, and she was calling me Elizabeth. Well, what they didn't know is my name is Virginia Elizabeth, so he called me by name, and I'll never forget that. Yeah. I mean, that was like, so I was laid out, but yeah. yeah. So. Oh, that's the presence of the Lord. Well, I'll make this quick because it's long, but I'll make it short. <laughs> but uh, every time I sit down at my kitchen table, um, the Lord makes his presence known, and we start having these conversations, and I invite the heavenly family to, to join me. And we just have these conversations, and they go on and on and on. And I'm, I'm writing a journal, actually, a, a little book, and it's called Kitchen Table Moments. And uh, it, it's wonderful. I mean, he counsels me and he instructs me. And sometimes they're they're fun, they're funny. Sometimes they're uh, you know a little spank. Yeah. And but it's it's just so beautiful. But his presence is made known so strongly, and it's just awesome. 
And uh, that's just one thing, and there's a bunch of them. But. Amen. All of us can say real quickly, Brian, real quickly. Well, just many, <laughs> it's okay. many times in like prayer and worship, just being in that sweet presence of the Lord where he just, he just consumes you, you know, you, there's, there's no other way to explain it. Just his over consuming love and power and that presence is just, it just, it just takes over. It's just, it's just so sweet and beautiful and uh, there's no place I'd rather be in that kind of than his place of presence. Amen. Quickly. Uh, I promise. <laughs> okay. So uh, in prayer, uh, I just, I, I, uh, there, there was this aroma suddenly. It was this aroma like all around me. And, and uh, if it's, it smelled like lavender maybe because that's my favorite, lavender. And I, I opened my eyes and looked around and there, were no, there was nothing, no flowers, nothing around me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, Gloria. I see it in silence. And I see the light when I'm silent and listening. And I can be anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes, but that's when I really feel the presence. Amen. Mine is um, in his word when, it, when it's like he's, um, it's like he just wrote it down there for you. It speaks just so clearly. This is, this is, this is good. We've heard different ways how God's presence is manifested in your lives and rest and peace and strength and, and through his reading of his word and just just waiting at the, at the table and God speaking with us. And for me, I, I remember um, many years ago and I had a, I had a dream and I don't, I'm not a dreamer. I don't get a whole lot of dreams, but I had this dream. I was going into a dark tunnel and within a few days I was diagnosed with cancer. So the Lord kind of gave me a premonition. A couple of years later, I was coming out. I was done with all my treatment and, and on the recovery, but still I was, I was angry at God. I was struggling. I thought, why would God allow me? I gave my everything to him, and, and why would he allow this to happen? And, uh, and there was a friend of ours who was one of our teachers in our schools that we were involved in at the time. His name was Dan Sneed. And Dan was a, he's a prophetic guy who's, who moves in the, the word of knowledge. I don't know if you've ever heard the word of knowledge. This guy could be so, he can read your mail. And um, he doesn't like to do that with people he knows because he wants God to give, because he might have a bit of an understanding about that person. And so he usually gives it to people he doesn't know. But we were in this, and I was in the very back of this, this room. And he said, Stu, I have a word for you. He didn't know anything about the dream that I had. And he said, I see a train coming out of a tunnel. And I knew, and right then, the presence of the Lord came to me. And then Dan said these words. He says, And the Lord wants to say to you, it's over. It's over. And the battle that I had gone through, the Lord made it very clear in that place of his presence, it's over. And he gave a man who didn't know what God had, that that, that vision or that dream that I had a couple of years earlier. And he says, it's over. And he saw that train coming out of a tunnel. So that's what I mean. Desire 
that place of presence. And to do that, we need to pull ourselves away from the busyness of our daily schedules and the things of the world. We need to do that. God wants to do that more in these crazy days to, to experience his presence. And so what's our response to his presence? He doesn't just visit us and go, and then we go on like normal. That should never be the case. First of all, we say, thank you, Lord, for your presence. We say, thank you, Lord. I love your presence. I love you, Lord. That is an appropriate, proper response. And then you apply what he does or you obey what he says. Otherwise, it's all for naught. He may, put, he may in, your, in the presence say, you know what? You need to forgive so-and-so. Forgive that person. Or it may be forgive him, although he's never done anything that he needs to seek your forgiveness for. But obey, respond to whatever God says in that place of his presence. And what happens is the result is a deeper, loving friendship with God, with the living God, with, with our Heavenly Father, and not just a distant entity. You see, too many people who call themselves Christians or believers have a relationship with an entity, but not a personal relation of intimacy with the Father. That's what he desires for all of us in his presence. See, the degree to the degree that we respond appropriately to his presence, he will continue to manifest himself. Don't ever lose that desire for his presence. And it's cultivated through faith. Faith is what Brian and his family are doing. They're stepping out because God called them, but they don't know all the stuff before them. That's called faith. It's the evidence of things hoped for. 11, Hebrews 11 talks about. You cultivate that presence through faith. You're like taking that next step without seeing what the next step is going to be. So the presence of the Lord. The second characteristics of, of, a, of the Yeshua people, the new Yeshua people, is experiencing in his presence joy. So presence and joy go together. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1, it says, The Ruach Elohim is on me because Adonai has anointed me. And then verse 3, it says, To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. See, the anointing is upon us to bring that oil of joy for mourning and the, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. How many have ever felt, felt heavy, depressed, down, and you make a conscious decision to praise the Lord, and what happens? Those ashes are turned to garments of praise. Psalm 48, 45.8, Psalm 45.8 says, You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, anointed you with the oil of gladness Above your companions. He anoints us with the oil of joy. In Hebrews 1.9, the writer of Hebrew basically word for word says the same thing. Have you, you have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. See, the fullness of joy is more than a temporary fix. It's not a moment of fleeting happiness. 
there's a difference between happiness and joy. I can turn on an oldies station, driving in my car with the window down, and hear a favorite song from the 60s, and it makes me happy. You know, I can listen to Doobie Brothers, listen to the music, and it makes me happy. And then the song's over, and that feeling is over. But joy is lasting. Joy is not just a temporary fix. But there's a prerequisite in those scriptures that I read. says, you've loved righteousness and hated wickedness. See, if you love wickedness and hate righteousness, real joy is not going to abide in you. So the prerequisite is to hate wickedness and to love the righteousness of the Lord. It's not dependent. Joy is not dependent on the circumstance that I find myself in. Joy doesn't have a dread of the future or guilt over past sin or mistakes. Joy knows that you are saved, forgiven because of the blood of Yeshua. Saved. Joy knows who you are, what your identity is, what your true identity is. See, today, you know that when people talk about, even in churches, the call to holiness... It's associated with religion. Oh, you, you're holier than thou, or, you know, or works-based righteousness. But God calls us to come out, to be separate, to be, to, to, to be not involved with those things. That's what holiness is all about. It's not about religion or works-based righteousness or legalism or anything like that. God is saying, I want you to experience my presence. I want you to experience more of my joy. And sin is the greatest hindrance to joy in your life. Operating and moving and living in the flesh is a great hindrance to the joy of the Lord that he wants you to experience. You see, when we repent, it brings a refreshing presence. It's like Jason was talking about. Doing stupid things and then the Lord coming into him and having a visitation that changes his life and he experiences that peace, that refreshing of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You see, we have that in our faith, hope, love, peace. And look at the biggest one is joy. Why is joy mentioned right after love? You ever thought about the order of these things? I think there's a specific order there. Are we known as a loving people? I don't want you to answer that out loud because somebody might say, mm, I don't know about that. Are we known as a joyful people? You see, people, Linda said people are going to be coming in. Millie said this too. People are going to be coming in who are going to be different than you. And their worldview is totally different from you, but they're looking for something to believe in. And are they going to experience love and joy when they come in here? Or are we going to look at them like, what are you doing here? You don't belong in here. See, that's what's happened too many times in the past. And God is saying, no, you're called to be loving people, Filled with joy, his presence. That's what it's all about. And those people, because that will attract people. 
Joy attracts people. How many love to just hang around with depressed people all the time? How many people just love to be around the most negative people? Fortunately, Millie married me, and I'm never negative or down. <laughs> She's going <laughs> to... But I'm learning to be, to desire that presence, and in that place of his presence is joy forevermore. Joy follows that love. See, I see a lot of anger, judgment, arrogance, pride, self-righteousness in the body of Messiah. And that's what he says, get rid of that stuff. Get rid of it. He's speaking to us in the Messianic Jewish movement. Don't be proudful towards the church because they don't meet on Shabbat. Get rid of that stuff. Where's that coming from? Don't be judgmental and... Um, proud towards the church because they don't celebrate the Passover or Sukkot or Rosh Hashanah like you do. Don't do that, guys. See, that's the stuff that robs that joy. See, a tree is known by its fruit. Altering your behavior doesn't change your identity. You ever seen an apple on an apple tree in an orchard, grown and grow try really hard to become an apple? No, they just are. See, we're known, the tree is known by its fruit. Altering, or yeah, the apple wants to become an orange. How does that work out? Not very well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Matter of fact, when every time I've walked through an apple orchard, it was very quiet. There wasn't a whole lot of striving and groaning going along. A tree is known by its fruit. Altering behavior doesn't change our, ID, our identity, but discovering who I am in Messiah will change my behavior. So in other words, when we discover who we are in the Messiah, that changes my behavior. You can't put the cart before the horse. It doesn't work. I was... Um, Going over my notes this morning, I was reminded of y'all seen Schindler's List. Schindler's List, you know, the movie? Classic movie. And um, the, the commandant of the work camp, his name is Amon Gert. It's a true story. He was really, that was the, the guy's name. He's a real evil guy, remember? Just, just brutal and, and mean and and Oscar Schindler is, is talking with him one day about, you have the power, Amon, to pardon people. Instead of the power to destroy them, which he had, and he used it quite regularly, he says, you know, you have a power to pardon people. And Amon Gert is going, hmm, pardon? I don't know that concept. Do you remember the scene? You know the scene I'm talking about? And so his slave, his servant slave, does something that normally he would kill him for. And he said, I pardon you. I don't know if you remember that scene. And then he did it one other time. And then after a couple of days, it's like, forget it. He couldn't do it because the fruit was not, you know, the tree was rotten. He tried to change his behavior, but it didn't work. 
And so many of us try to change our behavior without really know that, that we're grafted in. We're branches grafted in to that tree. I don't know where I got off and changed. But anyways, what we need to do as we're in that place of his presence and desiring his joy is feast on the love of the Father. His love for us is incredible. Feast on the love of the Father. Feast on the grace of the Son Yeshua in our lives. The grace that he, that he through the cross that we have. And fellowship, feast on the fellowship of the Ruach HaKodesh. Those are the things we need to be feasting on instead of all the other stuff that's out there that may be shining, shining things for a moment, but they don't bring lasting joy. You see, when we feast on the love of the Father and the grace of the Son and the fellowship of the Ruach, we will gush with gladness and joy. So let me bring things to an end here in the next few minutes. Why don't you stand with me as I just bring this to an end and we're going to get ready to to worship the Lord, close and worship it. You see, it's only in his presence can real joy come. His goodness and his presence creates that sense of real joy. And we cannot effectively serve God without experiential revelation of his goodness. God wants us to experience his goodness. Sometimes we say God is good, but in our hearts we don't mean it. We don't, we've never experienced it. And I want to pray right now that you will experience the goodness of God. Father, in the name of Yeshua, I pray that each and every one of us would experience who you are, your faithfulness and your goodness more today than yesterday, more today than we've ever felt before. Lord, because it's out of that goodness, it's out of that goodness that we desire that place of presence so that we will be overflowed with your joy, your joy in us. And Lord, we want to serve you in joy. We don't want to serve out of drudgery, out of obligation, but out of joy. You see, the only alternative to serving in joy is stagnant religion stagnant religion and too much of us have experienced that over the years Jeremiah 2.13 says my people have committed two evils they have forsaken me the spring of living water and they dug for themselves cisterns which is our flesh cracked cisterns that hold no water Father we crave spiritual water the pure spiritual water that comes only from Yeshua. Each of us, that's what we crave. Lord, too much we have tried to, to do things in our own strength and in our own flesh. And they're like those broken cisterns. They can't hold water. They're filled up, but then they leak. And then we wonder why we're not experiencing that joy. Father, I pray that the fresh water of the Ruach HaKodesh would flow, flow, flow over each and every one of us. Sin will still our joy. David knew this well. In psalm 51. This is, it's a psalm of repentance we all know. This is when he, he, he committed 
adultery with Bathsheba. The prophet Nathan came to him and says, you're the one. And there was such a repentant heart that came upon David. And he spoke this. And he says in Psalm 51, 14, he says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. He knew that that joy was not there as he walked in sin. And his greatest, his greatest desire was, Lord, restore to me the joy that I felt when I first met you. And Lord, I pray that for each and every one of us, Lord, that we would experience joy and greater joy, greater measures of joy, Father, as we forget and we, we repent and move away from the sin in our lives, Father, and we choose to follow you and to desire your presence. See, only in his presence, and that presence I'm talking about is habitation. It's when we know that we know that we know that he's living in us. In his presence is fullness of joy. Father, I want to break in the name of Yeshua. I just want us to close our eyes and raise your hands towards heaven. In the name of Yeshua, any bondages that keep us from experiencing presence, overwhelm, overwhelming sin, dread of the future, dread over past mistakes that we've made, things that we've done that we regret. Father, in the name of Yeshua, we break off the bondages of those things of the past so that we can experience and walk in joy, experiencing your presence like we've never experienced it before and desiring your presence more than ever before. Bondages that that lies that we've believed about ourselves that we will never be able to experience this or never be able to do that. Father, in the name of Yeshua, if you've put your spirit within us and you've given us your life, Father, we can do what you've called us to do. So, Father, I pray that those old bondages of lies, those old lies broken off in the name of Yeshua, that we would desire your presence more than anything more than anything, more than life itself. And Lord, we even sang that. It's your, your presence is my, is my daily bread. It's my very source, that place, place of presence. And this is not just height. This is not just me saying it, guys. His presence is our source of life. You might think oh, I can do fine with my lay me down to sleep prayer. But no, we can't. We need that place. We, we can't exist without that place of his presence. So Lord, anything, Father, hindrances, bondages, chains, Father, that keep us from, from going after you with everything, Lord, break them off in the name of Yeshua. Break off mindsets that say, God, I'm not worthy of your love for me. Break off those lies. Those are lies from the enemy, from the pit of hell. Break them off in the name of Yeshua. Father, I pray that there will be a new release of, of your presence and worship because worship will flow out of that place of presence. Worship will flow out of that joy, that heart of joy. So, Lord, we just pray for that. And, Lord, that we would be reminded, Lord God, when we begin to wander off into that place of bondage again. Thank you, Lord. You are worthy. You are worthy. We sang that earlier. 
are worthy of all glory and honor. Lord, we need to speak to our souls. If you're feeling dread of the future or over things of mistakes of the past, you speak to your soul. You say, thank you, Lord. You have good things in store for me. You have plans for me, good things for me. Thank you, Lord.